everybody welcome to reporting as eligible's post draft show um thanks to tyler for joining us last week so we can preview people um he's good at talking about people not on the team yet but um we uh we're back to the the normal squad this week because we can talk about people that are on the team so first of all joining me in urban wawatosa very angry about a terrible bucks game we have <laughs> yeah, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Not not the Bucks night as we record this on Tuesday night, but that's okay. They got they got one or two in the series. They're they're in really good shape. So uh I can't feel too badly about it. They don't play again until Saturday, which is mind-boggling, but uh them's the breaks and uh and yeah, we're here talking about some drafts. We're um we're gonna we're gonna pretend that one of their draftees' name is not pronounced Dubs. It is Dubs, and uh, that is the position, the official position of reporting is eligible as a podcast. It's it's Dubs. We do and, have uh, a we have a history of mispronouncing the O U uh, <laughs> vowel sound for pass catchers, so that's fine. We can. That's right. I'm gonna insist that we say Indomitian Sue like it should be, but but when it comes to Dubs, yep, we are uh, we are definitely pro Dubs. It's uh, Tanyan, but it's Dubs. So I'm I'm with that's you on right. that. It that's makes right. sense. You know what the worst part of playing the the Celtics is is that I get Bill Simmons in my Twitter timeline, and uh, I I normally don't, and I don't even mind him that much if he's praising the Bucks, but of course if it's the Celtics, that's not ever happening. So it's very annoying. People. Let stop. me tell you when the when the Bucks won Game One, I could not get fast enough a podcast episode from Bill Simmons, who does not disappoint. I mean, he has like two hour podcasts, one hour after events. I'm not really quite sure how he pulls that off. The man just, I mean, imagine loving your voice so much that you imagine talk lo- that, that love- much. Imagine loving that voice so much that you talk that much. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Do you remember the first time I, you ever heard Bill Simmons? I just, I just don't think it's sustainable. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. The problem with REM, the problem with REM is, yeah, it's um, it's it, it, I do remember the first time I heard Bill Simmons, and I thought, oh, that's that's that's, that's all that is. Very <laughs> different than what I was expecting. I was expecting a, a deep, angry Boston accent, and instead, I got the Bill Simmons voice, which is like it's like an angry, deep Boston accent that is sucking on a helium balloon. And so, I guess it's close. Yeah, most of the time, I I don't enjoy him very much, but there, I have to confess, lately it hasn't been just hate listening. You know, like he's he does some recaps of Winning Time, which is a TV show that I am deeply in love with on HBO. Huh. So I I kind of like his perspective is actually pretty good. He knows a lot, a lot, a lot about the topic. So <laughs> I, I I feel bad, I feel wrong because that's just not how I interact with Bill Simmons. I interact purely yeah. on a psychotic hate listen level, but uh, not lately. It's been it's been tough. I. I'm ashamed. It's all right. Basketball season can do that to you. And if they're doing something pop culture wise that you happen to be into, I mean, that's just uh, podcast catnip for people and myself included. Speaking of things that Jr. Hate listens to, I'm Matt, but you can call me Mateo. (laughs) (laughs) We made it. (laughs) What a tremendous segue, myself. Yes. Appreciate it. Thank you. You know what? I, uh, I, I got some good feedback about being Tyler last week. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the screenshot was was well received good speaking of it. voice upgrade from uh from a tub to tyler oh boy it was it, 
it's a, it is really good to have you back though, Matab. Uh, very sad though that your webcam is not working this week, which means I don't think we're gonna get those Twitter screenshots. <laughs> so this time what a shame! You know he can I'm see a, us, right? Just I'm a crafty human being. Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on. Let me let me go let me go to Twitter right now and report you for spam because I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> it is not out there yet. Oh, well, I'm gonna keep. He's gonna lull us into so. a false sense of security. Gonna, and... Well, do you, you guys, uh, the fan favorite screenshot was the time that you wouldn't let me in, right? And you and drew so it. I it's just, great. I just drew it. <laughs> that one was awesome. <laughs> it should be the logo. Honestly, it's fantastic. Oh, that was really great. Yeah. So really it's, great. Well, yes, Tyler has a much better voice than me, but you guys missed out. So Kansas was nothing but dust storms, and so I was like full on Christian Bale Batman for three weeks. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Got, the lungs took it bad? I mean, so I was waking up in the morning answering calls like this. People were like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, post-COVID, I'm basically, I've been various levels of Christian Bale Batman for like a week and a half now. So it's it would have been quite the show. Very gravelly. Are the dust storms in Kansas referred to as haboobs, or is that strictly an Arizona thing? I've literally never heard that before. Oh, yeah, moment. you should absolutely look it up. Haboob yeah. rhymes with doobs, which is the new receiver for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> but uh, Haboob, it is the kind of storm. It is truly the greatest of our of our natural phenomenon in the United States of America. Uh, yeah, I've never well, heard them outside of Arizona, but I don't see why they couldn't be a Great Plains phenomenon. They're just giant. I think it's desert. Is I think it? it's desert it's for desert? some reason. Okay. So, well, it's funny enough is I always refer to it as Kansahoma. And uh, fellow APC writer Justice Mosqueda was like, hey, there's a huge tornado in, in the Kansas-Oklahoma border. Are you okay? I was like, oh, I'm not there this week, but thank you. Thank yeah, you so that's much. Sweet. Can you mark yourself time. as safe on Discord channels? <laughs> you can do that on Facebook. That's definitely sure. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, Did everybody watch the draft? Did you hear there was a draft? Boy, was there a draft. The draft goes on for a very long time. And uh, <laughs> I'm normally not as into the draft as I have been the last few years. And I always forget how long it goes on. But yeah, well, I, I was, all I was watching USFL instead. USFL was way better good, than the draft. Good on you. I mean, it's actual football, so that's fair. Yeah, it truly is a commitment, a three-day commitment. You start Things run together very quickly. Like, I remember on Saturday, I was thinking, well, that earlier today when they drafted Christian Watson, I was like, that was a whole day ago but you know like the there's no you know it's the same screen it's the same people it's the same suits you know so like everything kind of just it, yeah. it just feels like one continuous certainly thursday and friday it doesn't feel like there's any difference between those two broadcasts it's I, very weird i will say when you're doing um a live kind of thing on the draft they really have it timed out well like they give you just enough time to talk between picks on like what everybody is and what they might be doing and it really flies by like it, the Packers picks were there no time on Thursday. It was yeah, it was good. Um, but, uh, yep, I'm deeply ensconced, and I know more about draft people than ever before. So, hooray for that. You know, I've gone back for the Journal Sentinel and tried to predict when these draft picks happen in the last couple of years, and I just look at the average of the, of the previous five drafts. I find on Twitter the first mentions of a player getting drafted, even in, like, the fourth or fifth round. And the times are remarkably similar year to year. Like, you, you know, there's going to be a range of like 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. Yep. But for the most part, you can tell very, very, you know, with some some degree of certainty that, you know, the, the guy taken here at 28 is going to be taken at like 1030 p.m. or 1025 p.m. Like it's it's very it's very interesting. Yep. Uh, they do seem to kind of have it down to a science. Indeed. Um, all right. Sh should we jump into the peeps? 
Uh, I love that we're starting this with a Patreon question. Yes. Um, from one, the one, the only Danny Noonan, Danny Noonan, no relation to Paul. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, that is your brother. That is my brother. Uh, who, his question, as always, as enlightened and informed as possible, who did the Packers draft and why? <laughs> if you ever I respect it, if you ever have the, uh, the good fortune of actually talking to my brother, his shtick is pretending not to know something that's very popular in culture at the moment and asking innocently for you to describe it for him in the hopes that he will be able to catch you in some hypocrisy or lie or just to sound cool about not knowing about something that everybody's talking about so this is the guy who watches like i'm this is not something danny has said but strikes me as the type of person who watches the oscars like say this past year is like who's olivia rodrigo i've never heard who's billy eilish like those are not people that are that i've heard of therefore they're not real you know that's a lot of people like that, that sounds like something that may have actually happened yeah that's in the ballpark <laughs> Uh, so we can we can go through that. We can dedicate this entire episode to a Danny Noonan question. Let's do it. You got your question. Get your money's worth this week, Danny. I, I tell you what, though, I'd kind of like to, if if I may, go start with Christian Watson, only because right, obviously right. the the first round's a big deal. But but everybody was waiting for that wide receiver. I feel like that's where everything starts and ends. He's so polarizing. So <laughs> I mean, I really. I guess before, I got to jump in here, Jr. Did you know that the Packers tried to take him in the first round? I had heard that. I had heard that. Um, is that verified? Is that true? Um, people whom I trust <laughs> have said that that the Packers went after the Vikings at 32, and the Vikings were like, we are not going to give a rival a fifth-year fifth option, option if this right? guy works out. Yeah. yeah. So they took him two picks later, but they tried to take him in the first. So I guess we don't know if that's true, true, but I've heard the same rumors, and um, it makes some degree of sense that last first round pick is actually quite valuable for this kind of thing. Okay, so let's set the table. They they do end up trading with the Vikings. It's yep. just not in the first round. It's day two. Second pick of day two, they give up both of their second round picks, 53 and 59, to get number 34. That is Christian Watson, North Dakota State. I I, I think for starters, we need to... Uh, I, I, I need an understanding of what it is that makes him so polarizing. There are many people who feel like that is great. That's the pick. It's a receiver, huge, huge body, good athlete. This is a genius. This is the guy that the Packers want. And then there are others that are like, that's that's the worst possible receiver that they could have gone after with one of their, you know, one of their first two round picks. So so give me the lay of the land on what the what the debate is here. All right. Um I, I can do that. Um so on on the controversial side, on the why he's not a surefire prospect at all the number one he plays for a smaller school north dakota state which you know kicks out its fair share of nfl players but it, it is a hard scout because all of the teams they play are for the most part a trash fire um, and they're the best program in their division in their conference in whatever you want to call it and so um, they just beat the ever-living stuffings out of almost every now they didn't go undefeated they lost a couple games but uh um it, it's hard to scout them and he wasn't really on a ton of radars um until the combine and he i think everybody's always a little skeptical of combine stars and um christian watson put up the uh i believe 22nd best raz of all time when he originally came in it was second best all time revisions revised him down a little bit he's very athletic um the most athletic person in this class by a good amount in all the good ways you want a receiver to be athletic he's big he's tall he's fast he's agile um and um, so that's good, but it also is when you see a guy kind of shoot up because of combine workouts, 
you start to kind of question it a little bit. And then the last thing, um, at North Dakota, they run uh, a fairly uh, primitive, maybe not the right word, but um, a very ordinary offensive An- style. I was going to say antiquated. Antiquated offensive style. And uh, they do this thing where they rotate their receivers in and out constantly. And they run the ball a ton, which means that Christian Watson actually only played on about 30, 31 or something like that percent of their plays. It was it was less than a third. I think it, it was like 30. Yeah, 30 I think 30. 31 is right. Um, and so, you know, when you just see those numbers, you're immediately like, well, why isn't he playing? Can he not run block? Um, what? Now, we do have some intel that that's just what they do. So it, that is not necessarily a reflection on his talent. Um, but that was certainly a question mark going in. Um, and, and I guess I, I said that was the last thing. But um, in that antiquated offense, they don't ask a lot of their receivers. And I went and watched a ton of Christian Watson um, once they drafted him. And there's a lot of just go routes. There's a lot of deep posts. And then there's a lot of get the ball in his hands on some trick crap. Like he does, he's a jet sweep guy. He ran a bunch of jet sweeps. Um, he had a lot of running plays, but not a lot of complex routes. Like if you watch him versus Romeo Dubes, um, it's kind of night and day as to what they do. So um, th- th- those are the negatives. But on the positive side, uh, oh, what, he, he's, he's accused of dropping a lot. I have not found those, though. So I would consider that a rumor at this point. <laughs> um, on the plus side, though, he caught a ton of his... Uh, so, well, caught, I was going to say, for the for the drops, yeah. um, Ross Uglum, yeah. like like the NDSU Packer guy, uh, admitted to the drops. So like the, the fact that he's going to be Captain Homer... And was like, yes, he had all these drops that people are accusing him of. I'm just going to take his word as gospel. That's totally fine. But they, uh, I mean, I, I have watched all of his tape, but I've watched a good amount of it, and I did not see too much egregious stuff on there. So, um, drops aside, he is, he has a great catch percentage. He caught like 75% of his targets, which is good for any receiver. Now, he's wide open on a lot of those. Like, there's a lot of play action bombs where he's just alone in the secondary and just can look the ball in. So, grain of salt, NDSU, again, hard to scout. Um, but he caught a ton of his targets, and he did a lot with them. So, uh, he is fast, he is agile, but uh, he beat the crap out of lesser talent, and so, kind of unsure. Um, and that's that's kind of my quick and dirty scouting on him. Well, and, listen here, man. The last time we had a guy who was 6'3 and could run a 4'4, he mossed Patrick Peterson. So, obviously, this is the greatest <laughs> pick ever. So what I'm hearing is it's less about him being a problematic prospect and more about just the lack of data on, you know, the competition level and the number of snaps he played. It just is a really incomplete picture, really small sample. Um, so is is that the case? And, and if you then get that guy, not in the first round, but the second, I mean, he's their third pick, you know, is that, is that acceptable? Like that, to me, that feels right. I, I and I don't know. I know it's not just you, Paul. I know it's yeah. like the, uh, a lot of people, in fact, I, I saw Acme Packing Company in general be accused of groupthink. Sure did. Which, which is delightful because I love fights. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I know that there are others who kind of share your your concern on that front. I think the main thing with him is he would normally be considered a ceiling pick. Like you're picking on some development uh, and him reaching that athletic you know, um, uh, level in, and becoming a super dominant guy, but maybe not right away maybe three years down the road, uh, most receivers take three years to develop. And we've seen more breakout stars lately, like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but that's unusual. 
and especially a small school guy who is a toolsy guy. And you don't have Aaron necessarily three years from now. So it's a strange pick in that way. You really need receivers to play now, <laughs> not later. Um, so th- I think that's one of the other big criticisms here is if you're going to trade up um, into the second or even even into the late first to get Watson, why not maybe try and move up into that receiver run earlier and get a more polished guy who can maybe start right away? Um that and you know it's not always possible can't always make that kind of thing happen but i think it's a legitimate question because that's what you need uh, now i, I will but say, correct me if i'm wrong oh go ahead many of those receivers are, are given the same sort of grade as watson in terms of not any real game breakers like I, wasn't that one of the criticisms that there isn't a guy who's gonna you know be a stud number one or number one's probably two pies pie in the sky but number two number three right out of the gate anyway uh, yeah some of that's true like i get saying like Olave is more of a possession guy, but like Jamison Williams, if you could have gone up and gotten him, he's he's an instant game breaker type. And uh I don't like Garrett. Sure, Wilson, but he might but miss the first year. That's a good oh, I just forget about his injury, so that's a good point too. All right, fair enough. <laughs> you uh you are correct about that. Um Garrett Wilson though, he's healthy and a game breaker. I don't like him as much, but would have been an option. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just making uh, Paul getting this close to uh you are correct, sir. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So if you want to be optimistic about Christian Watson, one thing I would urge you to do is go watch them play against Northern Iowa. And just you can do the highlights. That's plenty. Um, Northern Iowa is where Isaiah Weston plays. And Isaiah Weston um, essentially had the same RAS score as Christian Watson. They were both like 22nd and 28th or so uh, all time. Isaiah Weston also super athletic. Super fast, super agile, a big guy also, actually taller and heavier than Christian Watson. Um, But when you see the two of them play in the same game, on the same field, it becomes very clear very quickly that Watson is much better than Isaiah Weston. And that was reflected in the scouting on both of them and where they ended up going. I'm not actually sure Weston was drafted. If he was, it was super late. I think he might have been a uh, UDFA. Um, Watson was definitely more polished and uh, much more of a threat. Weston did all of his uh, damage just flying on nine routes by overmatched corners. No moves, no nothing, uh, and that was it. So uh, watch that game if you want to like Watson. I ended up liking him a lot better after I did that. He's also a good kick returner, so there's that too, which the Packers could sorely use. He uh, reads his blocks really, really well. He accelerates into holes. Um, he was definitely a weapon for them uh, back there too. Presumably, though, he's one of their top four receivers. So I'm uh, this point was made by Tom Silverstein on the uh, Green 19 podcast. My colleague Tom said, are they really going to put the, one of their best receivers back there? Like he's now a guy they're counting on. So I mean, they, they the, did the that injury with Cobb, issue, right? They did. they did. But wasn't that out of desperation more than anything else? Or are you talking about back in 2011? If Cobb is a rookie, Cobb is a second round rookie. His very first game yeah. against the Saints, he takes one back. Yeah, I actually think sure, but he kid. wasn't relied upon. Fair. You do think? Okay. I do. I do. I think I, they'll have the rookie do it. All right. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Kylan Hill, what's his? Do we know when he's back? He's probably not back for most. I mean, his, he first got half. destroyed. Like, yeah. Oh, that was rough. Uh, yeah, I think he, he, uh, Verdict's still out on him. Um, I think it might be a little bit on him. Might be a while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go back to the first round. Uh, 
the uh, the the Packers took Quay Walker, as many people know, out of Georgia, linebacker, uh, with the twenty second pick, and then with number <laughs> Quay Walker, a name that I don't believe we said on the podcast. We didn't, last week, Jay. Then... I thought I had it on tape. I would I I cut it off like just a second too early. I'm so uh, mad because right afterwards I said, "Now watch." It'll be two names we haven't said, and it'll be Bernard Raymond, who ended up going in the third round. Yep. So I'm glad that one isn't on tape. <laughs> and Quay Walker, whom of course was taken, who of course was taken with yes. the um, with with the number 22. So that's tough scene. But uh, but an inside linebacker, which is interesting. And then 28, of course, they take Devontae Wyatt, his teammate at Georgia, defensive tackle. Uh, we talked we talked a lot about Devondre Campbell's impact over the last year and unquestionably he had a great year for the first time. The Packers had a, not just a competent inside linebacker, but, a, but an elite one. And I, I feel like at some point last year too, we also discussed, okay, they have that and he's doing his, doing his job and it doesn't really make the defense as a whole that much better, or at least not, not like demonstrably better. So I guess I'm, I'm curious about that. If, if, you know, Quay Walker might be, the next of Andre Campbell, they might be that, that pairing in, in Tampa Bay, but it seems to me that pairing in Tampa Bay that everyone seems to covet was more of a factor just kind of in the, in the playoffs, but not necessarily over the course of a season. And it's not necessarily true that, that they will make this defense that much better because inside linebackers just can't, ha- you know, have a finite amount of contribution, but, but I don't know if I'm right about that. So tell me, tell me positionally, if this is, if I'm right or wrong on this. So, this one's controversial, I think, also because everything you've said is is correct, and off-ball linebackers are just less valuable overall, and they have a good one. So you know, any any extra improvement you're going to get is pretty marginal. Here's the thing, though: um, as the season wore on last year, they really moved from a team that was a nickel base and sometimes even a dime base to playing two inside linebackers for the majority of the back half of the season and in the playoffs, and that was Chris Barnes out there with Campbell um, getting a lot of snaps and not really putting good snaps on tape. Um, and so on, on, a, on a pure one-to-one substitution with Quay Walker replacing Chris Barnes and replacing several hundred snaps, they probably get better. Um, I'm not sure how much better, but it probably does help. It, it, there's, not, there's not a lot of holes on that defense. That's the other thing. And um, to the extent they were bad, it was against the run. They were better than they were under Dom Capers, but it was still kind of a weakness. And I do think with Savage back there. So this does, uh, this and the next pick combined, I think really does address one of their big weaknesses. Um, I don't really think that they needed to maybe spend quite as much capital addressing what are fairly minor weaknesses on the defense. That'd be my other criticism of maybe not going receiver a little earlier. But um, this is all, this is what they had to work with in terms of weak spots on defense. So, <laughs> so- it's fine. Before we move on from Quay Walker too yeah. far, I do want to mention that he was Schrodinger's prospect and that there are, depending on whose scouting you read, they say completely opposite things. There are people like, yeah, he's a freak athlete and it shows up on tape. He's got all these instincts and blah, blah, blah. And then there are other people like, oh, he plays like his feet are in cement. And it's like, you guys are watching the same film. How are you getting such a difference? There was definitely also a lot of, you know, you picked like the third best Georgia linebacker kind of comments and uh, that too. So, um, well, remember the last time APC got all into someone took the second best linebacker. It was uh, a... Watt versus Beagle. (laughs) (laughs) True. That is true. Um, He's a weird one, too, because uh, versus the consensus board and versus pretty much everybody, he was pretty overdrafted. Um, 
Uh, like PFF had him at 45, CBS at 93, and uh, Jordan Reed had him at 48. Only Matt Miller had him in that range. And uh, uh, honestly, the Packer picks actually reflect Matt Miller's board pretty closely when it's all said and done. Um, but uh, it's it's an unusual. I mean, freak athlete, yes. So not not unusual there. There, this was a very high raz draft for the Packers. Um, but I do think this was a, um, a a Joe Barry pick. I, I think this was a hey, we need a couple of guys like this. Go get them, and that's what the front office did. Um, uh, the, I think the biggest weirdest thing about taking Quay, an inside linebacker, is that there were still a couple of good edge rushers on the board at this point, and they're they have two, but you need more than two, and it's a more important position. So um, I, I don't know. It's not what I would have done, but. Um, I think he is a pretty good player, but it's, it's a weird pick at a kind of weak position. So I don't know. Don't feel great about it. Agent of Quayas. Is that the, uh, the best, uh, pun we can... <laughs> I like it. I'll take anything. As long as there's no, I don't want any Texas Ranger nonsense with any walkers <laughs> on the team. I don't like Chuck Norris. It's, oh, it's point. hack. So, um, yeah. Agent of Quayas. I'm, I'm down for, I think that's okay. Well, with how fast he is, we should okay. call him Quay Sprinter. <laughs> no. Help me out with that one. What, what what are we going for on that one? Not his Walker. last name is Sprinter. His last name is Walker, but he's fast, so he should be Quay yeah. Sprinter. Oh, I see it. I see it. I thought that was a play on words with the first name, so I, no. I got it now. No. Uh, so, okay, Devontae so, Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt. Oh, go a, ahead, Matt. I was going to say a problematic <laughs> prospect, probably a top 10 talent, fell because of like very real character concerns. Yeah, I think that's right. So they probably have a pretty good player here. Um, he was mocked much earlier than they picked him. Um, and just to on the character concerns, he has one um, uh, on the record uh, incidents of um, getting in a fight with uh, a woman, a girlfriend, whatever, but not hurting anybody, kicking down a door and causing the police to be called. So it's one of those where it's not a good sign, but it wasn't as bad as it it could have been or how as bad as it is for a lot of other people in the league. That said, we heard a lot of scuttle from scouts um, uh, without details that this is not an isolated incident for him, that there's either a temper there or that he tends to cause issues like this and has uh, more than once more than the reported instance in the past. So um, def- if if there is an off the field issue with Quay Walker or not Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt in the future, um, wouldn't be that surprised. That's why they got, got a bit of a bargain with him, I think. Um, but that will be lingering, I think, whenever we bring him up. So, Devontae Wyatt on the field, I think, actually partially addresses the need at edge. Yep. Um, when you have someone who is a phenomenal penetrating three tech with their hand in the dirt next to Kenny Clark, you really bring out what like Rashawn Gary is good at Rashawn, like with a collapse pocket from two good penetrating inside uh, defensive tackles. Rashawn Gary doesn't have to bend. He and that's where he, he troubles. He, he follows the tackle too deep into the pocket. And I think why it will help that translate into production. Yeah, very, very much. Um, it's funny is who was I just talking to about? I was, I was like, yeah, you know, like Von Miller, didn't have to bend around the edge much when Derek Wolf was really on his game. And then I said that to someone and they're like, yeah. And Von Miller didn't have to bend around the edge much when Aaron Donald is on his game. And I was like, yeah, it's Von Miller twice. All right. Yep. 
the other thing I'll say about this pick is I, I do think there's some synergy to uh, having Walker and Wyatt together um, to put basically two really good inside linebackers directly behind Kenny Clark and Wyatt together. Um, it's just going to be very difficult for offenses to account for everybody they have to account for. Um, we saw Kenny Clark kind of kind of rebound a little bit last year with just a good season from Dean Lowry and Rashawn Gary on the outside, freeing him up a little bit more. And I, I think you'll see that continue um, this year with the run defense improving and with other guys getting freed up too. So uh, I feel like the... Well, two thoughts. First of all, if you kick in a door and somebody calls in the co- calls the cops, that means that the threat of physical violence is very, very real. Yeah. And perhaps, you, you know, and like, I don't know the individual story and, and people can change and, and you have to throw in all those caveats, of course. Um, and he's going to be given every opportunity, certainly. So uh, so it's not like he's going to lack for that. But uh, if somebody calls the cops on you because you are and it's just property damage, you can't convince me that at some point in the past it wasn't, you know, it wasn't worse, it wasn't physical damage because that's a uh, that's a step you take when you're really afraid. Yeah. Uh, but in any, but oh, go ahead. Go multiple ahead. temper losses, I think, is always a bad sign. Um, you know, it, yeah. it's one thing for something to happen once and get blown out of proportion, but patterns are bad. Patterns mean that there's some smoke or some fire to the smoke. Right. Uh, as for the defense now as a whole, you know, Aaron Rodgers said this. Certainly, Brian Gutekunst and and friends are going to say this. They feel now the defense is is pretty pretty special, and I don't, I don't know if adding these two guys gives you that same feeling necessarily. I mean, they seem they seem like good pieces for sure, but I guess I wouldn't I, I wouldn't necessarily come away from the draft the first round being like, well, now now there's <laughs> such an undeniable dominant defense that you know ultimately what you get from Aaron Rodgers just needs to be baseline Aaron Rodgers, whether or not he's got the receiving core to do it. Uh, it's going to have left. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be all about the defense. But that seems to be the vibe. Like, you know what? Let's not worry about the receiver or or much else because the defense is going to rise to the occasion. Um, well, d- did uh, did you hear Rogers on McAfee? Uh, I did, in fact. Yes. Yeah. He's very so, chill. Very chill. Well, especially because he's like, look, like they called me. They're like, hey, man, we're going to go heavy defense early. And the guys that we want are going to be available later. We'll get you a receiver. And yeah, I mean that, and that's encouraging for people who are worried that they are they aren't looping him in as they did a couple drafts ago. Yeah, um, yeah, he was very much on, seemed comfortable with, with the direction, you know. Yeah, and I did. think you know what he he said what kind of matched to what a lot of people thought. And they wanted one of those big six receivers. They were gone by pick eighteen, uh, and that's that's that. You know, then they turn their attention to something else because they're not going to, well, supposedly not going to use a first round pick on what the what receivers were available. Um, so. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I, I, the defense is better for sure. I, I guess I, I don't know if those picks necessarily take it from, you know, fine to great, but they should still be better yeah. than fine, I, I have to think. I think the main thing that takes it from fine to great is that they didn't have Alexander for most of last year. And when they did get him back, they were dominant. Um, and just on a one-to-one replacement, you have Quay Walker essentially replacing Chris Barnes, and you have uh, Wyatt replacing... Uh, Tyler Lancaster, I guess, mostly, which is possibly a pretty good upgrade. So um, I think the only place that are really questionable next year is in Savage, and he's not bad. He's okay. That's not a bad weakest spot to have at all. Yeah, I'd say the the Packers have five DBs that they're comfortable with, with Savage probably being the weakest. Yeah. But honestly, if if Savage is your weakest DB of your starting five, like... Totally fine. we're We're doing pretty good. Yep. Right. (laughs) 
I love your your note, <laughs> Sean Ryan. It's all I got. So, uh, Sean Ryan seems good, as is the case with all offensive linemen drafted by the Green Bay Packers organization. Let's just assume that they are going to be a six to seven year starter at minimum, probably a Pro Bowl contender at some point in their career. Uh, he is the 92nd overall pick out of UCLA. Seems good. That's good enough. Starting right tackle? Question mark. So Jr. On, uh, on where, game one, where these two things are coming to a head. Yes, the Packers usually draft very good offensive linemen in the middle rounds. However, third round curse, brother. Ooh, right. Packers can't Packers can't draft in the third round. Like they just can't. Who was the who was the last good third round pick the Packers had? Richard Rogers? Ty Montgomery. Wasn't he in the fifth? Uh, I don't know. I think he I was think he was the third, but I, think I he was the third. Don't also think you could call him good. Uh third round pick. <laughs> I agree with that. Morgan too. Burnett. That was good. Oh, Morgan Burnett was quite good. I think you have to count him for sure. Casey Hayward I w- might be a third round pick, but I think well, Morgan Burnett's more recent. So, right? But yeah, so like since then know. it's it's been Oren Burks and um Josiah DeGuara and, and um wow, well, I'm sorry, I have tapioca brain today. Amari um, Rogers, but, Josiah DeGuara, Jay Sternberger, Oren Burks, Montrevious Adams, Kyler Fackrell, Ty Montgomery, stop, Kyrie Thornton, stop. Richard Rogers. Stop, he's already dead. Alex he's already Green. dead. Stop. Uh, Morgan Burnett is definitely the last good one in 2010. Yeah. So, to so Michael before round, that. So it used to be yeah. two in a row there. James Jones yeah, so, before that. Three in a row before then. And, and the worst one being Jay Sternberger because Scary Terry went two picks later. One pick later. One pick later. Ugh. Oof. Oof. We, um, we could do this all day. We could do yeah, this all so, day. Yeah, so basically what I'm saying is the, the Packers in the last decade have not drafted well in the third round. Maybe this stops the skid. Um, everyone I know who actually knows anything about offensive line is like, yeah, he's good. And to your to your question, <laughs> JR, like, like could he start at right tackle? Yeah, probably. Like, there you go. He's a, he's a good athlete. He's, he's uh, not living life with a lag spike like um, – uh, Jason Spriggs was. <laughs> um, so, but we'll, we'll get to him in a minute. Second. But it is worth noting. First of all, it's the first tackle that uh, that Goot's taken uh, in the first four rounds of the draft uh, has not happened before, and um, they took uh, a few picks later. We'll get to him when we get to him. Zach Tom, who's actually a better athlete and uh, maybe competition for a tackle job as well, even though he's a guard at Way Forest. So, um, the third round curse is still in play just based on competition from the draft that's going to come. Um, I, the offensive line is kind of a curiosity. You know, I wouldn't think of it as, as a big question mark necessarily going into camp, but it really is like, do we know that David Bakhtiari is fully healthy? Who makes up for the, for the two guards that, that or the, the guard and the you know backup center that went away? I, I guess you don't necessarily hopefully don't need the backup center but uh you know i don't know jake ryan didn't get that much playing time last year because of his injury so so it's kind of a it's kind of a mishmash i'll be really curious to see how that lines up me too it'll be a good competition hopefully they they, they, i feel like they're confident in themselves finding people and they'll probably be fine but i also think there's no way to predict it um you know unless you are an offensive line savant which none of us are this is true all right, fourth round, Romeo Dubs. We have to start calling him by his actual name now. Yeah, yeah, uh, we should. <laughs> Let's be respectful. Romeo, but but Romeo Dubs is at least in your eyes the uh, 
possibly the best pick of the draft for the Green Bay Packers. This was a good one. I think it was. Uh, he's a little. <laughs> Wait, why? Why is it unfortunate? It's pronounced Dubs. Because Dubs is to the... so much better. No, Dubs, dubs is way better. D- like no, drafting dubs. dubs was a dub. That's yeah, yeah. Simple dubs as. is much oh. prefer Dubs smoking dudes. Like that's what we want. Nah, in our in our pun game. No, yeah, yeah. Dubs is a dub. That's where I'm at. It's fine. All right. Neither one is bad, but Dubs is better. Um, <laughs> we can work with Romeo too. Like, there's a lot of possibilities here. Yeah. We have to we have to acknowledge Romeo as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't spend enough time on him pre-draft because he was hurt and didn't run combine or pro day. Uh, we have a very unofficial razz for him from a personal workout, um, and so uh, I, you know I like my objective athletic statistics that I didn't have, and Matt is right now changing something. Um, but but uh, no, I was copying his name so I could I could do some googling. Much like Christian Watson, he's also a bit of a tough scout because he plays in one of the few remaining air raid offenses in college football um, with Carson Strong throwing. By the way, watching Romeo Dubs film made me hate Carson Strong, and I understand why he wasn't drafted. He sucks. And his arm, uh, people think his arm is strong because his name is strong, and nobody will ever convince me differently. That is absolutely true. That arm is garbage. And, like, you'll be watching him throw to dubs and, like, throw him hospital balls, and the announcers will be like, oh, there's Carson Strong zipping it in there. And, like, no, that throw is just weak and almost got him killed. Um, but uh, he's good. Um, he does a lot of things really, really well. Um, APC Slack consensus is he'll probably be a deep threat, but I don't think he's constrained to being a deep threat. Um he was called on to run a ton of slants and inside routes this year uh, just to pick up easy yards because that offense had some trouble moving the ball, and he is fearless over the middle. He ran a lot of uh, slants into the teeth, into big linebackers, caught caught a very high percentage of them, has great hands, and also is able to break it deep, and he is the opposite of MVS with the ball in the air. Um, he is great at making uh, mid-throw adjustments and uh, rap- twisting his body around getting his hands on the ball. He is very impressive on deep throws and short throws. Um, he's not like going to overpower, like run over guys with the ball in his hand, and he's not super agile with the ball in his hand. He does a lot of work pre-throw, um, but he's good. Uh, I'm very impressed with him, and I think if he would have come out in 2020, he would have gone much higher than this. Uh, his rops was better in 2020, but different, and he like kind of changed roles from a straight-up just burner deep threat to a guy who needed to be a possession receiver without losing too much on his yards per catch. So, um, well, in in 2020, he was he was eighth in yards per game. Yeah, like that's that is crazy. He was crazy about. good. Like he was super awesome. And um, this this season, the big changes he caught, he just caught a higher percentage of throws because he ran shorter routes and um, did some daring stuff. Uh, but his yards per catch didn't suffer that much. It, he actually kept it up pretty well. Um, often when you see guys um, up their catch percentage as much as he did, you see a crater on uh, on their yards per catch and he didn't have that he was very good and all right the, so, well i was gonna say the thing i love is I, people were talking about him like the day before the draft i remember i think it was zach cruz was like i was watching carson strong film and i couldn't stop looking at, yeah. at romeo dubs he stands out he's <laughs> way better than everybody else on nevada <laughs> Oof. so here comes the fun part why was no one talking about romeo dubs in the first couple rounds of the draft why were we talking about christian watson another tough scout and what 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 held dubs back from being in the same conversation i think there's two main things that held him back uh one of one of those is i would i would describe as kind of bullshit off the field concerns um mcginn had his you know talk to scouts thing that he does every year and 
Um, with with some kudos, he gets a lot of candor from scouts. But there was a lot of, I would say, dog whistle comments on Romeo Dubs uh, uh, about his upbringing, about his maturity levels. Uh, you know, it's one thing with Wyatt where you have specific off-field things pointed out. You know, you actually have a crime. You have other similar crimes. Everything I read on Dubs though was more like he's a poor kid from the hood. I'm like, that's not a problem. Like, <laughs> you you have to give me something more than that if you're going to red flag a guy. Um, all he's done is go to college and play great football as far as I'm concerned. Now, maybe there's something back there. It's hard to talk about makeup concerns because when you do, you're basically committing libel. Like, that's what the problem with makeup concerns are. That's why we have coded language and crap like that because people are afraid of getting sued, of being, um, you know, bringing up things that shouldn't be talked about, whatever. But I, when I don't hear specifics, then I, like, I'm kind of willing to get rid of those. The other thing is, he did turn into a different kind of receiver. And to the untrained eye, it maybe looks like he got worse from 2020 to 2021. Uh, because uh, just ROPS-wise, he was better in 2020. He had a 944 ROPS, which is awesome. And he was a burner. But he changed into an, another awesome kind of receiver at 425, 459, 883. Um, my stupid stats, if you're 400 and then over 450, that's really good too. That's basically what Chris Olave did. So um, I think it looks like he became less dynamic when all he did is change roles and stay efficient. But I don't. I think people saw the the lack of um, downfield play and assume that there's something else going on there. I think those are your two big things. We saw a lot of discussing coded language around Jaquan Brisker and the comment that the one front office official made about him being hungry because he was poor essentially. <laughs> yes. And and how that was something that they factored into why they why they liked him or why they thought he'd be good. And it, it seems like we just haven't made a lot of progress with these sort of interviews where questions very personal strange questions are being asked it doesn't feel like there is a you're getting the same questions for the white players versus the players of color and uh so i don't know why that continues to linger i i mean i realize there's a lot of money involved and, and they want to make sure they're making the best investment possible but still like some of this stuff is just ridiculous yeah. man like these these guys are they're college athletes for the most part i mean college college athletics is professional athletics now we can pretend it's not but it is you know they're they're handling themselves in in the context of a professional athletic environment i'm not saying everybody's thriving doing that but you don't need to like you don't need to go into their personal psychology to figure out whether or not you know they're capable of doing this yeah it, 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 you don't need nuanced weirdo questions you can just ask basic questions i don't know it's uh, oh, it's man. a weird thing Speaking of nuanced weirdo questions, um, sorry, I have to mention Madden at least once, right? Like, contractually, of course obligated. you do. Of course, when absolutely, yes. When, when you're doing face of the franchise and you go through the draft, it's like if you had a dream where you were gonna have sex with a dolphin or your cousin, which Jesus would you choose? Christ, and the guy was like, "What are you talking?" About? <laughs> but yes, Good. the 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 draft is also. I've been looking into like reports on like it looks like. The problem with Dubs is his early career stuff, like stuff that he cleaned up in 2021. Like people are still, they're like, oh yeah, he has concentration drops and he body catches. He and does like, not do that anymore. If that's yeah, on scouting reports, that's ridiculous. And I am, I am looking at his senior bowl stuff and he's beating dudes who went to Alabama. Yeah. He's like, like he's going against NFL talent and winning his routes, not just winning with athleticism. 
I, I truly do not understand why this dude is available at 132. He, he did have an ankle injury, too, that kept him from running at the combine. But by all accounts, it's not serious. And if we do believe the personal pro day, he, he showed off he was athletic enough and therefore recovered enough to do okay numbers-wise. Did I also see that Romeo Dubs is wearing 87? Uh, yes, he is 87. They handed out the numbers. Mm. I mean... <laughs> I mean, w- 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 superstar. You know, yep. don't forget about Jay Sternberger. Superstar, right there. That uh, <laughs> that guy's gonna be that guy's gonna be great. Well, as as mentioned in uh, uh, the Nate Jackson book, "Slow Getting Up," that numbers in the '80s are for playmaking wide receivers or veteran tight ends. You That's don't, right. You don't get one if you're if you're not good. Love it. All right, Zach Tom is another guy that a lot of people love uh, in Packers Twitter land. That's the 140th overall pick you mentioned on a, a guard out of Wake Forest, but a guy who could maybe compete for the tackle job. Um, that is a name that I heard before. The, very seldom in, in my knowledge base do I do I know the names of fourth, fifth, sixth round picks unless they're <laughs> quarterbacks and uh, or, or I guess Big Ten guys. Uh, I will have come across watching Badgers games and following the Badgers, but Zach Tom's a name I heard. So I guess that's encouraging. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good get there. I'm surprised he was available, to be honest. And also, one that Tyler, I think, had potentially mocked there, but uh, was rated much higher by the consensus board. Uh, By the PFF board, had him highest of anybody at 64th, and they got him at 140. Um, And uh, I think maybe fell a... This may be one of those things where the guard falls a little bit, even though he's a super athletic guard with some versatility. But um, I think he's a good get there. He is a very Packer pick as a super athletic offensive lineman that they think they can make into different things. And, um, you know, they, they like to keep their cupboard stocked to these guys and enough of them always turn out. And I, I would wager on him probably turning out. I feel like there's a lot of pun potential with Zach Tom, too. I haven't tapped well, into that we should yet. Mention, I don't really know. But. We should mention the Bears pick as well because <laughs> that's my favorite. The Bears picked <laughs> Zachary Thomas in this draft, and we picked Zach Tom in this draft, which is weird. To be fair to the Bears, Zachary Thomas is the name of a potential future Hall of Fame linebacker. So You're right. They're going, they're going oh, with a pedigree true. there. There's a lineage, a pedigree. Look, man, I just think that you should never trust someone with two first names. Yep, I went to high, I went to high school with a wrestler named Brett Kenny. <laughs> never, never trust that guy. <laughs> never trust two first names. Oh, oh, real quick before we move on too far, really quick Romeo Dubs um, ending thing. Uh, the Bears took their one wide receiver in the draft, Velas Jones Jr. Before Romeo Dubs was off the board, and uh, I believe Velas is gonna suck. He seems bad. So this might be a thing we can rub in. So I just want to keep it on people's radars if Romeo Dubs turns out to be super good and Vilas Jones turns out to suck, that we can point this out a lot in the future. So just keep that in mind. I think we should also point out that you could technically argue that, ex- with the exception of Dubs, every draft pick we've talked about is a two-first-name guy. You've got Quay Walker. Walker is a first name for, for many. Devontae Wyatt, clearly a first name. Sean Ryan. Christian Watson. Watson. That's a little bit more of a reach, yeah. but it is technically doable. Uh, I'm reaching. I admit it. But then Zach Tom, uh, I don't know, guys. I don't know. A lot of double first names. Well, we're going to make up for it in a second. Watson's here. a reach. Watson's a reach. I don't know if I can. I can't stand by that one. Yeah. yeah and uh, now we my, go to Kingsley Ingebear with. Is, my dog's name is Watson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. That's I have too a, good. I have a chocolate lab named Watson and a black lab named Emmy Lou. 
They're, yes, they're both named after country stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. Watson. Who are we talking about? I'm, Doc I'm, Watson. I'm I mean, I mean, uh, okay, okay. And That's then a, um, a little my, bit of a deeper cut. Emma Lou Harris, I guess. Yes, but. and then uh, my in-laws have Emmy Lou's uh, sister. Her name is Patsy, and they have a yellow Crazy. lab. All right. Yeah, they have a yellow lab named Hank. Okay. So there you go. They're all lots of old stars. school country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used a Jerry Lee Lewis who uh, who had a country country track record. I, I used a song of his on a on a sweeper for my Brewers podcast this week. I'm a super super proud of it. Uh, if anybody wants to give a listen, uh, it, it might not be on every version of this week's podcast, but next week the uh, the newly named Micro Brew Prod- Podcast Journal Sentinel Brewers. Uh, check it out. Little, little Jerry Lee Lewis, little, little country, old school country for for the nice. people. Very nice. All right. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Okay. So, uh, 179th overall. It's it's Kingsley, Kingsley Enigberry. I think I said that wrong, uh, but uh, sometimes goes by JJ, but wants to go by Kingsley in the another lineage with the, with Kingsley Kiki recently departed from the Packers roster. The this is their edge rusher out of South Carolina. Um, probably not the ideal spot to take an impact edge rusher, but uh, it sounded like people were really high on this pick. Yeah, this is a bit of a weird one. Usually your edge rushers are pretty simple. They're super good athletes who show production in college. And the reason Kingsley and Agbare, I probably said that wrong too, is available is because he's not your typical super great athlete at edge. Um, he's at a 6.26 res. He has uh, purportedly had some trouble with weight in the past, that that being getting too heavy, although he is statistically kind of light for a res, um, uh, for, for an edge rusher. Um, but his scouting was really good. And um, this is a kind of a rare Packer thing because they usually reach for athletes. In this case, they're definitely um, c- capitalizing on good scouting falling. He was one of the top-rated uh, PFF edge rushers in the class. He actually led college football in pressure rate among ed- edge rushers. He was better than Aiden Hutchinson, uh, better than anybody in the top half. And so we know he's skilled. He's got he's got the. Um, the, he's a polished guy. He, he's good at making moves, and he's not a bad athlete. He just isn't like a nine. He's a six-two-six, so it's a really good good get late. He was projected to go much higher than he did again by most people. The, the Packers did that a lot on the back half of this draft, and uh, there is one guy who fell further. But um, Kingsley was basically projected to go in the top one hundred by everybody, and didn't even go close. Um, the, the highest anybody had him was PFF had him at 52nd overall, which is, you know, a really long time ago in terms of the draft. So I, I think it's a good value get this late. Um, you usually can't get an edge worth anything this late. And they are desperate for a good backup there. And I think that if nothing else, he can probably be that. So I, I wanted to come up with a comparison for Kingsley. And the first thing that came to mind was Michael Sam, like a like a super productive college athlete who was not a good athlete. Uh, so I looked up Michael Sam's Raz. He was a sub one. Yeah, he was. He was not a good his, athlete. His Raz is 0.79. So I, I was going to say like Kingsley's like a, like a above average athlete. Yeah. I didn't realize that Michael Sam was like a normal person. athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he was. We, we did a combine for APC and, uh, when I put in my my rough numbers, I ended up not being able to do all the drills. Um, I came in as a one raz for a kicker, so I was one oh one. I was buoyed heavily by my bench. <laughs> one of the things that made me laugh out loud was uh, somebody posted the raz card for a, a, a UDFA, a 
big, big, big lineman, 350 pounds or so. Ah, the name is escaping me, but somebody, somebody posted the, the Raz was in the ones. It's like, this is the, the answer to the question. What would happen if, Oh, a if, literal if the Packers, bear. Yes. If the Packers <laughs> drafted an actual bear. Yeah, I got into it because because that guy only benched like like nine times or something. And I was like, a bear would bench way more than that. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, okay, so the rest of the guys, I, mean, I don't know how much you want to spend. A, uh, there's one guy we should spend a little time talking about, yeah. but you had Tariq Carpenter out of uh, linebacker out of Georgia Tech. Everybody seems to think that's a special teams pick. Uh, you had Jonathan Ford, a defensive tackle out of Miami, not the most athletic, but, uh, you know, big fella. You know, yep. I love him. 340 pounds. Put him in there, baby. We, we should spend uh, just Rashid a moment Walker. on Rasheed Walker. Um, okay, who, offensive tackle out of Penn State. No Raz, no Raz. He was the biggest faller in the entire draft. If you look at uh, Warren Sharp's value chart, which is not the best value chart. I'm not recommending it as, as gospel at all, but it just does the simple consensus board versus how far people fell, and he fell the furthest. Um he was uh, the CBS big board had him going 53rd and he fell to 249. Jordan Reed had him in the top 100. The, the Bleacher Reports consensus board had him 76th. And, and he just, uh, you don't see guys like that fall into the seventh very much. So I think there's a little bit of a mystery as to why he fell quite that much. Uh, I've read a lot about his tape being very inconsistent, where he can step up and hold his own against elite people, but he gets bored occasionally and puts inconsistent reps on tape. Um, but he fell a lot. So if there's something wrong that we don't know there, which is possible, maybe that shoe will drop. But uh, he he's better than a seventh-round pick, and it's weird that they got him where they got him. Justice has a good, uh, um, on Twitter, Justice has a good um, Twitter thread of his reps against Aiden Hutchinson, and it's worth watching that. Interesting. Okay, well, then with the last pick, with number 258, yeah. Nebraska wide receiver, Samari Toure. And this is a guy we've, we have actually mentioned. We mentioned <laughs> Samari Toure got mentioned on this podcast. Quay Walker, ultimately the first round pick, <laughs> did not. But uh, but this is definitely a guy that you've talked about. You wrote about him. I know at Acme Packing Company and why why there's so much value there. So 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 lay it on us one more time, Paul. All right. So Samari Toure played for Nebraska. He was a, a transfer from Montana State, and uh, he didn't catch a ton of balls, which we'll get to in a second. But he was one of by Rops or by really any counting stat. Um, one of the most efficient receivers in college football. He was a great deep threat. He caught a super high percentage of his targets um, and really kind of dominated the position, um, but was very much overlooked. So he is a little on the old side, being a transfer from a smaller school. And by the way, at Montana State, where he went before, he was also a record setter you know, at the lower division and dominated the hell out of people. Um, but Nebraska's dumb. They're a stupid team. They're, they're coached by an idiot, and they run a dumb offense that runs the ball too much. And um, I actually almost missed Samari Toure when I ran ROPS for, um, for my minimum uh, receptions cutoff because he had 46. And he led Nebraska with 46 receptions. That was the, the team leader on Nebraska had 46 receptions. Now, Wisconsin was the same situation. They also didn't have a 50-catch guy on the team, but they had a bad quarterback and a, and a running back who was ripping off six yards of carry. Nebraska is not that. So um, Austin Allen, their tight end, also very good, also got drafted. Um, but on a play-by-play -play basis, Samari Toure was incredible. It took him a little while to get integrated into the offense, 
but he saved his best games in the Big Ten for last and put up huge games against both Wisconsin and Ohio State. Um, played great against elite talent and basically got better from Montana State through Nebraska all the way through the end of the year. Um, he is a good, not great athlete. If you eliminate the bench press, it helps him a little bit. Receivers shouldn't do the bench press. It doesn't matter. Um, but getting him this late is excellent. He's a good crisp route runner. He, he is a good straight line speed. He can do anything that an outside receiver can do. Um, and he's going to surprise people and turn heads. And he got an 80 number as well. They gave him 83. So they think a little more of him than they do um, you know, some other UDFA down roster guys. Um, he is a legitimately good receiver. I think he's better than both Jahan Dotson, who went 16th uh, overall, and David uh, Bell, who went later. <laughs> um, uh, he was the best receiver in the Big Ten, and he's going to um, prove it when he gets a chance. <laughs> That's a hell of a claim to say that he's better than both Dotson <laughs> and Bell, who had production and, and flash plays. like They were known in the Big Ten as as elite, elite receivers, and Toure, of course, didn't didn't have that reputation but uh i love it i love the bold claim and uh it's good stuff paul this is like old school panning for gold like like he's just he's just like okay so we just sent this bowl down into a big thing of muck and I'm, i swear to god there's a gold nugget in there dude like and and the, the muck is nebraska is, is that's the analogy <laughs> All right, so you mentioned, uh, before we get to questions, you mentioned the Bears are bad. Lions had a pretty good draft. They got that Jamison Williams guy, and if he's healthy, when he gets healthy, he's going to be a problem. Their top three um, picks were all quite good. I mean, drafting Aiden Hutchinson's yeah. a, a duh pick. You don't screw that up, but they got Pascal, Pascal however you say that, too. Um, that was a good good job by the Lions. Uh, well done. And then what oh, about the Vikings? You said JR, Caleb Jones is the tackle you were thinking of. Okay. Uh, um, the bear. He's yes. He is. He is six eight and seven eighths. So he's almost six nine. Uh, I love him so th- much. Three seventy. Jeez. Um, but oh, benched my kingdom for uh, some preseason snaps for um, that guy. Other interesting things about him: nine and a half inch hands. I have nine and a half inch hands, and he is a, a literal mountain of a man. <laughs> That's uh, I'm something. five nine. Like <laughs> it's weird. Uh, he, I, ran, he ran a 5'6". <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Dude. I could do that. I think I can run a 5'6". I think I can do that. That's, that's a I'm lot of dude. about this. That's a lot of dude moving at <laughs> Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome stuff. Well, yeah, so All there right. You go. Uh, Patreon then, questions, oh, right? And then I was going to say that the Rashid Walker fall, like the last time I, I remember someone falling like that was... 2016 uh the the guy that i wanted the packers to draft instead of kenny clark was andrew billings oh. so yeah that was 2016 right when kenny was drafted uh yes yes yeah, so <laughs> a- andrew billings was was by like on everyone's big board he was like a top 20 pick and he got drafted in the fourth with like no explanation Damn. so um he ended up being okay he was a, like a four-year player yeah, and then I think he bu- he's bouncing around the league right now. But yeah, so good thing I'm not a GM. Okay. Like, <laughs> it's true, it's true. We would suck at this. All right, <laughs> let's go to Patreon questions, uh, and we're going to start with Mark Putscarby. It seems to be a popular opinion that the Packers absolutely crushed it from round three on. Looks like we agree with that. Yeah. Uh, an opinion that he says he would agree with. I've never been so excited for a day three of a Packers draft. If I set the over under at two and a half for guys who would eventually become starters or major contributors from that group, are you over or under? 
Ooh, good one. It is a good one. I think I'm over. That was um, third or later. We get to count the third. No, I, he said day three. Day, oh, day three. Okay. Yeah. So, so we can't. You can't use Sean Ryan. I'm afraid. Use Sean Ryan. Um. So let's see. So Dubs, yes, right? Zach. Tom, yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. Over easily. Um. Yeah. I, I think you over. would go over. Okay. I think it's a good set because I think Dubs and Tom sound like you know the obvious ones here. But then is there one more guy in that mix? I think you know? Barry won't be a starter right away, but he will be the primary backup at edge. And if anybody gets hurt there, I think he will be a starter. Um, you mean when someone inevitably gets inev- hurt? There. It's football, so yes. It's- <laughs> I, I think Rashid Walker probably will play important snaps. We, we've seen how the Packer offensive line depth tends to get tested every year. I do think he is good and will get whipped into shape as a pro. Um, and I do think Samari Touré will actually, uh, like, I'm already over, but I'll go even one more than that. So, yeah. <laughs> so, also, I'm going to remember 2017 is what I remember Packers fandom being most excited about a day three pick when they drafted Malachi Dupree. Yeah. Oh, you remember wow. him? Remember him? I, I do remember him because I wrote the "Why He's Not Good" post for Acme Packing yeah. Company, and you got flamed for I it. I did get People flamed for it. Big mad. People don't like to change their initial impressions on the uh, uh, when it comes to drafts. When it comes <laughs> to player bell, uh, oh, I, you know what? I'm going to throw in another name too. I don't know if we can count this, but this is day three. Tyler Goodson, the running back out of Iowa, one of their UDFA's. Yeah, good call. Uh, they're doing what you and a lot of people advise take take the running backs in the udfa class because they could be just as good if not better than a lot of the guys that you're going to draft well, and he is the I teeniest think... tiniest running back that has ever been oh yeah tyler so, irvin baby let's go one of his well, who's lightning yep who's the um the guy on twitter that hates the packers thor what's his name ragnarok there's, no. a, there's <laughs> a thor who hates the packers yeah he's he i think he's a vikings writer Makes anyway sense. he checks he, out um, gabrielson I mean, yeah, that, that sounds right. I don't know. But he he graded the Packers really well. And part of it was like he was a huge fan of Goodson and like legitimately thought he was going to go middle rounds. Huh. All so. right. All right. Um, OK. PJ Wessels, what position or position group needs to be addressed still? I, I feel like, guys, this is a really easy answer. I feel like you just still need more receivers right like or a veteran receiver at the very least i was like they have 13 receivers yeah. i know i know but no no but they need but they need like they need julio jones and i don't mean specifically julio jones but they just need one more guy that you can trust because right now it's, it's still i mean the depth chart wasn't going to change anyway I, I don't think but like randall cobb and alan lazard are your two best receivers right like yes. that's still if the, you if the you make the assumption that rookie receivers aren't going to be major contributors right away yeah you do you need another veteran receiver I'm not sure that's what they're going to do, though. I think they're going to try and no, push out the youth into the fold right away. But I agree with that. I do think that they could use another DB. They're not weak there. They have lots of them. But um, I do think you do want to have somebody in the wings at safety, and they don't really right now. Yeah, are you surprised <laughs> that no safety came of this? There was some the, thought they could take a safety in the first round. Uh, a little bit, but uh, they have enough flexibility that they can get by. And I think if there would have been a good one there, they might have jumped at it. I, there, there's I what, there's a position we're missing, too, that we got to talk about, too, that's obvious. Well, I, I saw mocks with Hamilton falling to them. I saw that, too. And, and I was like, so. Like, I, I'm never going to, after Haha Clinton Dix, I'm never going to be the he won't be there guy because everyone thought Haha was going to go like top 10. And he, Packers got him and t- at 21. Sound right? Yeah. I thought Bulaga was going to go top 10, too. 
Um, I only saw one mock say Hamilton would fall and it was kind of couched as what teams should do. So it was less about what was likely and more about like what made the most sense for each team in the draft. And that left in this case, the one I read left Kyle Hamilton down to because uh, no one, no one needed a a safety. Sure. Right. Or, or they needed other things more, you know, yeah. Their single biggest hole, those tight end. Their tight ends are bad, and uh, it's a little surprising they didn't get anybody there worthwhile. Well, this is. Are we assuming that that Tunyon doesn't hold his historic uh, Bubba esque touchdown numbers? Yeah, I'm assuming that. <laughs> That's correct. It's a fair assumption. Yeah. All right, Alex Lamers. The Packers have basically had a top 10 defense by DBOA since Rodgers became a starter, other than the year he was injured. If they add no other pass catchers other than who was drafted, do you think that will continue this year? It was top 10 offense, right? Top 10 offense, Jer. What did I say? I think you said defense. because well, that makes no sense. (laughs) I was like, no, they haven't. Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal pass rusher. They could could try him at tight end, maybe. (laughs) I don't know about defense. Yeah, anyway, uh, so yeah, do you think it continues if... uh, if they don't get new pass catchers? I think yes. Um, I, I do think scheme and um, current weapons are good enough to get them into the top 10. Uh, and with some upside from rookies also, that might be helpful. But even if they, they don't turn out right away, I still think they're no worse than like the 10th best offense. So yeah, but I, I mean, it's... It's not going to be like number one unless Christian Watson is good right away or some or Dubs is good right away. Um, so um, they they won't be too bad under under the scheme no matter what. They were second last year. They can fall a bit and still be in the top ten. Um, they can get actually twice as bad. So I'll, uh, yeah, they'll be fine as long as Aaron's upright. No no problem. Good enough. I love I love how no one is mentioning Sammy Watkins like at all. Well, like, like the, the that's four smart. Games he plays. It's nice everybody is not mentioning Sammy Watkins because he's the most disappointing player of the last decade, and there's no reason to count on him for anything. Wow, disappointing player of the last decade. We got to get some candidates. There's there bound to be more than Sammy Watkins. Isn't well, okay, there? so Sammy Watkins, the big knock on him is how much the bills gave up to get him yeah so that's that's I, i'm kind of with paul in terms of price paid um well also sure. a good when college RG, player and yeah. did like one good thing with the bills and then if he can't be good on the chiefs he's just not going to be good like they're the team to put you in position to be good and it, it's just not happening there <laughs> He signed a three-year, forty-eight million-dollar contract with the Chiefs. Good for him. Yep. Good Way for him. Paid. Man, Jamarcus Russell was drafted back in two thousand and seven. Oh yep. my goodness, do I feel old? That was more um, than ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It wasn't even close. That was the concern. Fifteen years ago. That's, yeah, that's not ten years ago, but it's close right now. Well, no. well, it's funny to think about is Watkins barely hits that threshold. That was eight years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're all gonna die. Um, <laughs> well, that's like that's like okay. Who was it that the Packers? Who was it the Packers just got? Who was a Packer fan? Was oh, it, was shoot. it an un- undrafted safety? Right. I forget. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean Christian Watson had one of one of his parents was a Packer fan. But yeah, I don't no, know, like, I don't know what you're there, talking there's about. There's legitimately the Packers. I believe they signed an undrafted free agent safety who had a picture of him as a child in a Super Bowl XLV shirt. Yeah, I don't remember who that was. And I was either. like, I was like, I was a grown man in, in 2010. Like, I didn't even celebrate the victory because I had to go to work the next day. Like, <laughs> dang. 
Uh, okay, Brian Polakowski, which was more surprising in this draft, not adding any notable secondary depth or no new tight end? Kind of been touching on that a little bit. I I, I think the secondary depth because, you know, there's only so many tight ends in this draft. Yeah, and tight ends are a tough one to, to get anyway. I agree, it's secondary depth because it, it is a position of mild need. And you can really, you can never have too many corners and safeties. You always need to throw a ton of them out there, and they get hurt a lot. So it's that you can survive with medium tight ends. They're not that important. They're one of the least important positions on offense. So yeah, sure. It was uh, Georgia Tech uh, safety turned linebacker Tariq Carpenter. Okay, now we know. Yes. All right. Uh, tell me which, this is me riffing here, which narrative comes first, thinking back to the Aaron Rodgers not having a lot of pass catchers here. Is it that the Packers once again fail to equip Aaron Rodgers with pass catchers if the offense doesn't click right away? Or do we see Aaron Rodgers isn't as motivated because he had something to prove the last two years and now he's got the bag and he doesn't uh, doesn't have that same chip on his shoulder? Uh, uh, who knows? Um <laughs> No, all we all we got to do is just send someone to every one, one of his games and hold up a sign that says Ivermectin doesn't do anything and he'll get really mad and throw touchdowns and and we'll get another year of of chip on his shoulder Rodgers. I could point. see him he's yeah, I could see him getting pouty with rookies having to play with them too much and having them not run the right stuff. <laughs> so there's that too. Yeah. All right, Flaley Joel As- Osment. Whoops. Flaley Joel Osment asks, both Watson and Dubs have experience returning kickoffs and punts given the special team struggles last season and the likelihood that both players will get starting reps on offense this season. Which phase of the game are they most likely to make an immediate difference in? How long will it take Amari Rodgers to be removed from any play where he has ah. the potential to touch a football? I, you know what? We've been talking about receivers and I kind of forgot about Amari Rodgers. Oh, man. I forgot all about him as, as a kick returner even. Like, that did that happen? I'm not sure that happened and uh with rich Passaccia, i can see him just being like you know what it's not happening we're, we're moving on and and put stubs back there well, for punts and the uh, the other guy for kickoffs jr nowadays everybody wants to talk like they've got something to say nothing comes out when they move their lips just a bunch of gibberish mfers act like they forgot amare it's because we <laughs> it's because we haven't clicked the explicit tab yet that you decided to go MFers on that. And I like yes. that. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to break a seal on the explicit tag. I literally just recorded the Bucks podcast yesterday and I used the I, I started singing that exact song. Uh, I, I didn't finish it. I didn't. Even, <laughs> we're, yes. we're not in the business of doing expletives anyway, but uh in reference to the uh, to the Bucks as defending champions. So uh, it's it's in the ether right now, I guess the. Uh, the Slim Shady reference. Very good. The MRA. It's a great touch, Matab. I'm, I'm proud Thank of you. Yeah, Thank it's you. It's good. Um, sorry. So what was the question? Is Amari Rogers real? <laughs> no. Well, those guys play. Well, those guys play special teams is essentially the question. Yeah. And I think they and probably you think, will. Yes. At least to get started. Yes, I do. No, the, the big tells will be like, what if they move Amari to Gunner? Like, just, just to see what happens. <laughs> Watch him become a, an all, uh, you know, a, a, a Pro Bowl special teamer as Gunner. Uh, don't see it happening, but uh, you never know. You never know. Terry Carpenter, he's going to the Pro Bowl someday as a special teamer. I'm calling it right now. I don't really believe that, but I'm just going to say that right now and see if uh, see if it works out. Brett Smith asks, I know it's harsher to be consistent on defense from year to year. Sorry, I know it's harder to be consistent on defense from year to year. Do you guys worry if the defense can be as good this season? I always worry about that because it is just a lot of randomness. Um, however, one of the reasons defense is random is the schedule that you play and the quality of quarterbacks that you face. And I still got Justin Fields, 
still got Kirk Cousins behind a still kind of bad offensive line and still have Jared Goff. Um, it's I don't think going to be a super big uh, bunch of great quarterbacks that this team has to face, and so I think they'll be mostly fine. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's just something that swings wildly and uh, is a, a determiner of fates a lot of the time, and it's always worth worrying about, and it's why it's a little worrying if they don't improve their offense a little bit more because then they'll be subject to randomness. Dude, 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 dude. Okay, I wish I had my camera on because you would have seen the look on my face. You made it all the way through that without mentioning regression, regression to, the to the mean, mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and turnovers. Turnovers are <sighs> random. The Packers' defense is good without creating a ton of them. Yeah. So I think that that'll be good. But yeah, there was... There's your RAE drinking game. I mentioned regressing. <laughs> nice work. Andy Schaff. Uh, there was a <laughs> graphic during the draft that flashed. I forget which round it was. Whatever round Kirk Cousins was drafted in. Uh, here are great players that were drafted in this round. Fourth round, fifth round, I don't know. But it's like all these Hall of Famers and Kirk Cousins. And I almost took a picture and posted it as which one of these is not like the others. But, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins' numbers actually in a vacuum. Not that terrible. They're fine. But uh, but we can still laugh at him. It's quite nice. Yes, we can. Sure. We can. And where he was drafted, you know, decent, decent career for that man. Um, also, really like, glad he's still here. Drafted with RG3. Like, yep. people forget that. That's right. Same, same team. Insane. Same team. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. It, that actually is kind of crazy. I mean, honestly, that's a, that's a surprise success story, really, when you look at it. But <laughs> both, both things can be true. Yeah. I'm also glad that he remains in the NFC North. Uh, Patrick Detmer says, are you surprised the Packers did not address the edge position at all? Do you think they will still try to acquire a veteran free agent? And who may that be? I mean, they did address the edge position somewhat. Yeah. I assume he means like in one of the first couple rounds. Yes. Uh, I think we, especially on the 28th pick when it rolled up, everybody that I was talking to, all of ABC was like, well, it's going to be Carl Loftus. He's there. This is where he's mocked to go. He's a position of need. He's one of the only good edges in the class. And then they didn't do it. So, yeah, very surprised they didn't do it, do it earlier. But um, Enigbar is a good get late. And they're still, I mean, they just need depth. They don't need a starter, at least right now. Um, Gary and Preston Smith are fine. So, that I mean, better than fine. Gary's awesome. Preston's fine. Um, but, yes, it was a surprise. thought that they would go high there, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, what if... Uh... What if they end up with like a Micah Parsons situation where they they move Quay to outside linebacker like out of necessity and then he ends up being an elite edge rusher? Nothing's impossible. Could happen. Wait, was it? Micah Parsons a, an inside guy? He was a he was an off-ball linebacker and they moved him to DE because DeMarcus Lawrence broke his foot. Oh my god, I didn't know that. I did, yeah. I just assumed he started out at outside. That's wild. Yeah. So, he um, was, that he guy's was on an animal. What was he doing inside? <laughs> That's wild. All right. Devin Bearwolf. Uh, we, we answered this one. I just wanted to read Devin Bearwolf because I believe he's a first time, uh, first time commenter. I might be wrong about that, but on the Brewers podcast, you said you really liked what the Packers did on day three. What exactly do you like on those last day picks? We did talk about them at length. Yeah. Paul is in love with day three. I am. Uh, and just generally speaking, they got a bunch of guys who were um, mocked by everybody to go a lot sooner. They got good athletes. They got some right away fits uh, and uh, just did a, virtuoso job of finding value late i think uh both at offensive line and at skill positions so all right twitter questions got a couple of them but uh we're pretty close to the end here scott hartle asks isn't it an uneven isn't an uneven trade per the trade value chart more of an indication of how highly a team valued the player you don't trade up to 34 
for a guy you value as 34th. It seems the Packers valued Watson like at least 27. The question should be, was 27 too high for him? So what the refer what he's referring to is most people could tell you right away based on sort of the the draft trade value chart that the Packers took a bath when they traded two second round picks to the Vikings for a higher second round pick. Uh, But uh, but the point here is it's not really about that that's sort of a, a theory more than it is a reality and if you like the player you go and you get the player uh and uh, and it does seem like watson was as you guys mentioned valued at at least 32 where they thought they could maybe get him at the end of the first round so uh so yeah it is about the player i mean you it's all about retrospective though you know like this trade might be genius if christian watson is a you know eight-year starter and tremendous contributor to the offense it's madness if he's not you know that's pretty so, simple stuff i think i think it's it's less of if they valued Watson at 28 more so that I think it's an Aaron Rodgers kind of situation where like Wyatt, they didn't expect to be there yeah, because he's like, a you know, basically everyone had him, like I said before, as a top 10 talent. Yeah. And you're kind of like, Oh, this guy's here. Yeah. We should probably take him. Like, I think it's more that. And, and like they, they valued Watson at that level. Yeah. And Scott's right a little bit just because, um, it, it is in a vacuum. It does matter who the players are. We have a lot of you know a lot of studies on this phenomenon, and it doesn't pay off that much. It's worth keeping in mind the players that they essentially traded away were Alec Pierce, who is a a receiver as well, also a very good athlete. Um, and I forget um, the other guy's first name, but his last name is Ingram, offensive lineman for the Vikings. I mean, that's what you get given up there. Uh, a Another decent receiver and an offensive lineman that you could have had or something similar to it. There were also some good edge rushers left um, on that second pick. But I think the reason that it might be more justified with Watson um, is because he is such a, uh, a variable player in how people view him, and that ceiling may be worth paying for. Like If he lives up to that, you, you, you get one of the best players in the draft overall. And uh, he was mocked anywhere from 27th, that's when Matt Miller had him, to 94th, which is where Bleacher Report had him. Uh, he's all over the place because th- that's what his outcomes are. He might bust out of the league, but he also might completely dominate it. And sometimes you do have to overpay for ceiling like that. So, um, uh, I, yes, I, I guess is the answer, but it, it's still, uh, to me, always questionable to, to sort of surrender that extra pick for this kind of thing. Although, you know, there's the Kevin King, T.J. Watt, Vince Beagle thing to think about, and sometimes it's worth doing that. I still blame Capers for Beagle not working out. Yeah, I still think he's okay, too. All right, last question is from Jonathan Deal, and I really love this one. Asking more for humor rather than a critic of how the Packers drafted, would it be funnier if the Packers drafted a first-round receiver and Rogers Rogers retired the year after, or if the Packers drafted a first-round receiver the year after he retired. Oh, it's, it's, oh, I yeah. personally think the latter. It's definitely oh, yeah. the latter. Absolutely it's not even close. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Rodgers having like a, uh, like, a, like a Brett Favre with the Jets kind of year and then retiring, and so like the Packers picking at like, like 12 or 13, and then <laughs> picking like the highest rated wide receiver in the class. Yeah, I would I would not be able to put air into my body fast enough for how hard <laughs> I would be laughing. Uh, and and moreover, the odds of that happening are not remote because if you don't, I mean, part of this whole thing with we're not drafting first round receivers is because they have an all world quarterback who can make second and third round receivers into stars. He's done it time and time again. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, you know, you get great value in the second round, and that's also been borne out. But like that might not be the case with 
I don't know, Jordan Love or whomever is going to be, you know, quarterbacking the Packers in four years, they probably would be like, we need to we need to get better weapons on offense because we don't have the quarterback anymore. Absolutely. And sure. so great. Yep. It, it would be honestly poetic. So kind of rooting for it. Uh, it uh, would but... be it would be Shakespearean even such as Romeo dubs. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Good. But but they do remember now have Sammy Watkins. They have a, a first round, round receiver. receiver. Yeah. Well, okay. So Aaron Rodgers has thrown was it like three touchdowns to first round targets? Is and it all of Mercedes? Mercedes. Lewis? Yeah, all of them are Mercedes. And it's worth noting, Sammy Watkins is not a lock for the team. He's he's not paid so much that they have to keep him. So if they. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure, like the way it works out, like the actual money he gets is veteran minimum, and then everything else is up His in incentives, the air. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, he's a uh, he's he's first round target, but maybe not. We'll have to see how that plays out. <laughs> Here, here's what's gonna happen: he's gonna be on the team, and then after seven weeks, when he gets hurt or it doesn't work out, they're gonna move on, and they're gonna sign Odell Beckham, <laughs> who That'd of course nice. has a has a major injury that he's coming off of, and then they'll have him for the second half of the season in the playoffs. That's what they're gonna do. So I think Sammy Watkins, what you're going to get is like uh, when uh, DJX was signed with the Raiders and like in his first game had like three <laughs> catches for 100 yards. And then Sammy Watkins is going to break in half in the end zone. Yeah. And then we will never see him again. Sounds about right. I can see that. I can see that. Um, you don't think they're going to go after a receiver, Paul. You said that earlier. You don't think they're that you think this is the room that they're going to roll with. I do. It's pretty full. They have to accommodate a lot of bodies. And I think that this is what they're going to go with. And. See how it works. All right. We'll see. So that's, that's all our it. questions. That's what we got. So yeah. we can wrap her up um, before we go. JR, I mean, anything if, good? I was going to say, if you think oh. about it, this was a 100% question uh, episode. You're right. You're because right. we it technically was. talked about the draft because of your brother. Because of Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank is, you, Danny Noonan, for contributing the, an hour of discourse. <laughs> this is the Effectively Wild Wednesday show. We just answer questions. That's it. Will Danny Noonan listen to this? He will, right? Uh, yeah, I think he does. Oh, really? I I was pretty certain that he just donated to the Patreon just so he could be a jerk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Both things can be true, as we've said on this podcast already. Shout out to Danny. I think I saw him in the yard the other day working with uh, with one of his youngins. So uh, not I sure. Actually, if I fly the the flag of Danny's gym in my garage. Nice. So, Very good. Very I saw. I saw a CrossFit sticker uh, on the car in front of me on the other day coming away. I was like, "Is that Danny Noonan?" But I think it was a, I think it was a different gym. I'm ashamed to know I don't know which gym this is. So. He's a Milwaukee barbell. Uh, they, oh yeah. So Milwaukee barbell's in his gym, but in uh, his, gym, his yeah. gym is Bruce City CrossFit. And yeah. if you are looking to join a CrossFit gym, uh, his is a good one. I did belong there for a bit. There is a bar attached for members, so um, that is also it's a good bar too, Danny. <laughs> Danny really has a decorating style, which is bar. He can make anything look like a bar. <laughs> and he finally got a bar to make look like a bar, and so it does. It's, uh, I it's, love it. It's great. Uh, Danny Noonan. Yes. The muse of this particular episode of Reporting is Eligible. All right, so back to me. Yes, Let's talk about me. Back to you. What do I have? Do um, have? Well, I did just take a look back 35 years later at the 1987 <laughs> Boston Celtics-Milwaukee Bucks Eastern Conference semifinals. It was a physical mad, mad series that involved – a gambling scandal, uh, a coach who was kind of on his way out, threatening to leave in Don Nelson, several fights, uh, a fight between a player and a fan wow. was involved. 
Uh, there were some overtime games, two overtime games, three overtimes total. It was, it was crazy. And uh, went seven games and the Celtics did win, but uh, it was very fun to go back in time. That was a, that was a little bit of a wild time in Bucks history. Uh, the last, uh, the last series with Don Nelson as, as head coach, but um, Bucks and Celtics now tied at one. We have lots and lots of Bucks coverage at jsonline.com. Lots of, lots of that going on now that the draft is behind us. The Brewers of course are, are happening as well. Kind of a small random shout out. If anybody is listening who does live in Wauwatosa or the greater Wauwatosa area, area uh, i will be running a trivia a trivia night at tosa bowl and bun on north avenue it's on the main drag like north avenue in 73rd i want to say or lefevre i'm not sure 72nd 73rd lefevre that that territory uh on on saturday night that's a six o'clock uh, local time start um if, uh, if you want more information, I can certainly drop that off. It's, a, it's to benefit the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation for a friend of mine uh, whose daughter does have cystic fibrosis. We've done some uh, some fundraising stuff in the past. So if anybody is, is feeling a little trivia, I, I, I occasionally run some trivia games and uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be running one general knowledge style that night. So, uh, if, hey, if you're in the area and you're interested, you're bored on a Saturday night during the Bucks game, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> but let me know. Nice. If you have a link shoot it over i'll put it in the show notes all right, all right. Uh, i actually don't know if i do have a link but right. i will find i'll find something sounds good uh matt have you done anything worth talking about well uh i started a cheese plant i know you did that's cool <laughs> we've made thousands of pounds of cheddar it's it's been a it's been a trip we made uh, monterey jack today but i wasn't there for it um <laughs> but I, I i just i beg of you everyone listening to this Please watch the USFL. Please make it a success. I want spring football. I want developmental football. I want a test bed to try out weird rules. They have actual sensors in the ball that tell you where it is at any given time. This is something that needs to come to the NFL. I cheer for the Michigan Panthers as I am from Michigan. Also, their head coach is Jeff Fisher. All right. Who is a... Jeff Fisher is a crazy person. He always goes for two, and he has worse clock management than Mike McCarthy. He legitimately forgot he had t- like he ran out of time because he was like, "Oh, should I go for it on fourth down, or maybe I don't know if I'm going to kick a field." Oh, never mind, out of time. Like end of half. Like that's <laughs> that's the head coach for the team I have chosen. Okay, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> if if you become a Houston Gamblers fan, that's fine. They probably have the best uniforms. Just remember. Never generals. If you were a generals fan, you're dead to me. Okay. There you go. That's that's all I got. I've seen a lot of generals talk on on Twitter, and uh, I, I confuse it with the Commanders, the Washington team. The yeah, new, you know, that's, like that's still sinking in for me. So it's yeah. like, is this the USFL or the NFL? And is there actually a difference between those two? It franchises? also doesn't help that they're geographically similar. Like, like DC to to New Jersey isn't exactly like super far. Yeah, I couldn't have even told you that that's where the generals were from. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to get into the. No, so, I don't want to get into the USFL. Okay, if you don't want to get into the USFL, you still you, you got to read Football for a Buck by Jeff Perlman or um, watch the Thirty for Thirty called Small Potatoes. It's oh, I've a, watched Small yeah, Potatoes. Yeah. Okay, so New Jersey Generals are the team that was owned by Donald Trump. Yep. That's, mm, that they that's were the joke. The joke with hashtag Never Generals. I believe the name of that Thirty for Thirty is Who Killed the USFL? Is it not? It is Small Potatoes sub whatever who killed the usfl got it uh, got it okay. okay all right um as for me uh, i had a wrap-up article on acne packing company on how to properly grade a draft after the fact and uh it uh, made people mad so i'm happy with well, it with, with all due respect yeah i found it a little pedantic oh did you <laughs> <laughs> we're we're not the same 
We're, we're not. We're not. <laughs> it is true. Um, anyway. What is it? What is a subtweet called when it's in podcast form? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Subcast. It's like the difference between libel and slander, right? Like, like there's got to be a different word for it. Yeah, I'm I agree. Not sure. We'll have to invent one, but I don't know right now. So go check that out. It's good. I'm also going to be writing up something on Christian Watson um, because I'm trying to figure out exactly how many of his 800 yards he gained just on wide open um, fly routes. <laughs> and uh, so far I'm up to 397. So uh, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Um, anyway, that'll be up later this week. So check that out. Heroes work. Heroes work. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, we will be back sometime in the future when football things happen. And, uh, uh, but not before. And there's baseball, there's bucks, there's actual important things going on, and USFL, of course, too. So um, we'll, be, we'll, we'll talk to everybody later. Enjoy the new players. <laughs> <laughs>